Welcome to the show called Let's Talk Homeschool. I'm Davis, and today we got a special Christmas message for you. It's Friday, December 23rd. Christmas is practically upon us. So what we're going to do today is give you a special gift to prepare for Christmas Day. We have a dramatization of the Christmas show by Rachel called Mary Remembers. After the dramatization, there'll be an original song from the perspective of one of Jesus's siblings entitled, This Brother of Mine. And the show concludes with a gospel message. We hope you enjoy. Welcome. I heard that you might come, and you did. Well, there's much I would like to tell you. So much I would like to explain. This experience has been so personal and yet so public. There were times when I was too naive to be overwhelmed and times when I was blown away by it all. But in the beginning, in the beginning, it's really when this all started. It wasn't with me, not really. It goes all the way back to... See what I mean? The vastness of it all, it's incredible. But for me, in the beginning of all of this, for me, well, it was not at all how I could have ever imagined. You may not have known this, but being the mother of Messiah was every young Jewish girl's dream. I too had dreamed, but never imagined, never allowed myself to think, There were so many others more worthy, more wealthy, more wise. My family was respected. My mother devoted, my father devout. But we were just all an average God-fearing Jewish family, and I was young, so very young. Joseph and I were to be married. I was so excited. He was such a hard worker, and oh handsome. My mother and I were preparing everything. There was much to do. Oh, it takes me back even now. The canopy that mother was making. It was intricate and beautiful. I can see her now working by the lamp, humming and rocking with a twinkle in her eye. You have to understand that I was just a young woman in the middle of a very ordinary life when the extraordinary started happening to me. As I recall, it had been a very normal morning, nothing special. I'd been to the well that morning to draw water. We'd eaten as a family, and I was gathering herbs for dinner when it happened. I have to be honest. I thought that maybe all the bending over had gotten to me. That was until I heard the voice. Confused and trembling, I listened. How can a young girl take it all in? He was telling me so much. And yet now, in retrospect, he wasn't telling me anything. In my stunned state, I couldn't get my mind around the part about being with child and never having been with a man. He explained with an explanation that at least at that moment made sense. And I accepted the role of being the mother of Messiah. As suddenly as he'd appeared, the angel was gone. 
and in his wake, I was left with a rush of questions. When would this overshadowing happen? Would I know when it did? And those two questions were quickly trumped by the more difficult ones like, how do I tell mother and father? And, oh no, what about Joseph? The news of the coming king just about destroyed our relationship. How do you explain to the one that you love that you're pregnant, but that another man isn't involved? It was hard enough for me to grasp, but can you imagine how hard it was to convince Joseph? How do you make it clear that the child is from God? At first, he just sat there, and then he started shaking his head. His face flushed, his eyes filled with tears, and I could tell he was disappointed in me. I could tell he didn't believe. I had not thought about this possibility. There were many things I had not thought about before I accepted the blessing of bearing God's son. I'm glad I didn't hesitate, though. If I had, I might have missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime. There was not one aspect of the situation that made sense, not one step on the path that was easy. That day, I ran all the way home from Joseph's shop. I cried with every step. Who would believe my story? Doubt crept in. I didn't eat much dinner that night, and I cried myself to sleep, but I slept hard. The sun was not even over the horizon when Mother entered my room. My eyes were still puffy, and I remembered. Mother said that Joseph was waiting, and that he'd been waiting for some time. So, this was it, I thought. This was how it would end. I dressed hurriedly and went out to meet him. Upon seeing him, I could tell he'd been crying too. But the tears this morning, they were different from the ones I'd seen in his eyes the day before. He had had a visitor too. We rejoiced together and told our parents. In the days that followed, we all made sacrifices. Our families were ridiculed and shunned. The businesses suffered. Do you know what it felt like to go to the market or to draw water at the well? The rumors, the lies, the vicious, vindictive talk on the streets and in the synagogue. Yes, even in the synagogue, especially in the synagogue. I got to get away and visit Elizabeth, my relative. What a blessing. She was glowing. She and Zachariah had longed for a child for so long, and God had sent them not only a son, but the forerunner of Messiah. We encouraged each other. We laughed. We cried. We knew. We understood. And we prayed. Upon returning home, I was joyful and confident, but I was also innocent of the cruelty of unbelief. It was almost time for our wedding. Everything was in order, but so much had changed. Our wedding was, well, very different than it would have been. Joseph and I were celebrating being a part of God's plan, still not yet realizing all that it would come to mean. 
but there were few that celebrated with us. I went to live with him and his family at their home, and they welcomed me. Now we waited for his arrival. But then another unexpected thing happened, the census. You know, I think it was a blessing, that census. I cannot say that it was really all that hard to leave my hometown. Don't get me wrong. In the days ahead, I was very lonely. But I didn't miss the whispers and the morning trip to the well. And although it was hard to say goodbye to mother and father and Joseph's family, maybe with us gone, they could get on with their lives without the community punishing them for our obedience. There was sacrifice all around. But God gave Joseph a smile and a gleam in his eyes that assured me of his faithfulness to me and to God. What a blessing to have had him for my husband. I know that it was hard for him, but he was also excited to meet God's son. He loved to feel the baby move, and he thought it was funny when I was awakened in the middle of the night. Back to the census. Many thought that we should not go, or that at least I should stay behind and that Joseph should go on before and I would join him later. But we wanted to be together. I had witnessed many childbirths, so I had an idea of how it would happen. But as you know, you can't really be prepared. Mother helped me pack all the supplies that I would need, a piece of string, some salt, some strips of cloth, and a piece of flint. She also included all the scraps she could spare. We said a tearful goodbye, and Joseph and I were off. We thought that we would see our families again, but it was the last time I saw my mother. She never held her grandson. It had been a long day on that donkey. Thinking back, I think the pains had probably been coming for quite some time when I finally noticed them. Joseph could see the strain on my face, and I could see the prayers in his eyes. You know the story. We knocked on many doors, but ended up in a stable. This just was not how I thought it would turn out. There was no time to panic, though, only time to prepare. I won't bore you with all the details of his birth though I will never forget them. Mothers never do. But as I held him up and he took his first breath, I welcomed Yeshua into the world, Emmanuel, God with us. He was finally here. It was amazing. Even then, there was something in his eyes. I cleaned him up, and yes, I swaddled him and nursed him from my very own body, and time stood still as heaven rejoiced. Joseph came in to see for himself this little baby that had already changed his life so dramatically. The shepherds came, guided by the star. They spoke of a host of angels proclaiming his birth, and by their rough appearance, it was obvious they had come straight from the fields, simply leaving their sheep behind for the moment. Later, we presented him in the temple. There we met Anna and Simeon. And that was the first time. You know, 
really the first time I heard anything about where all of this was going. See, I had focused on the parts of what the angel had said about Yeshua ascending the throne of his father David and reigning forever. But Simeon mentioned a sword piercing my own heart. This I thought of often, pondering the meaning, which would not come clear for three more decades. For all that the angel had revealed to us, there was so much he had not said. You see, when he sent the angel... He did not reveal to me all the details of what would happen. It was like he extended me an opportunity, asking only for me to trust him. Yes, I trust, I responded, but there was so much I did not know. The angel didn't mention the gossip or the rude looks or the questioning statements. He didn't mention the friendships lost. Sometime later, we had other visitors. The Magi arrived with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Soon afterwards, in the middle of the night, an angel warned Joseph in a dream that we had to flee immediately to Egypt as a result of Herod's paranoia. He had decreed to kill all the baby boys. I could not have predicted that other mothers would have to sacrifice their sons so that mine could live. Again, we experienced God as our provider and protector. Eventually, we returned home to Nazareth. Joseph set up his shop, and he and Yeshua spent countless hours there together. God blessed their business. They went to the synagogue and discussed the Torah and the prophets. It was hard not to be jealous of their time together, but it faded when he called me Ema. I can still hear him say that. A mother always remembers. Even now, I get tearful at the mention of his name. A song, a prayer, a flower, a sunset. They all have a way of triggering sacred memories stored in the treasury of my heart. And every time a memory is born, the tears come. Each memory, a precious jewel faceted by the hand of God. Each memory, a reflection of things heavenly. Each memory, a reminder of a mission, a message, a man. You would think that after all of these years, it would get easier. It hasn't. It never will. A mother can't forget. As I sit here today, I sit alone. But I am surrounded by all of the yesterdays that were thrust upon me. I still eat from a table that he fashioned. And as I run my hands across the table surface, I remember the day he appeared in this very room with a bit of mischief and mystery in his eyes. Covered in wood shavings, soaked in sweat, still holding the hammer, he said, Ema, I have something for you. I will never forget that day. Mothers never forget. Mothers are like that, you know. Even now, his carpenter's apron hangs by the door, reminding me of his love. And the clay pot over there by the doorway was fashioned by his hands. Every morning when I go to draw water, my fingers retrace the handprints he left behind in the clay and in me. Sometimes, when I'm all alone, I find myself clutching that pot to my body, longing to see him standing in the doorway once more. And you know what? One day he will 
One day he will come back and get me and welcome me and all who believe, all who believe when nothing else makes sense. Those who trust him, who seek him, who follow him wherever he leads. I bore him. I nursed him. I bathed him and I loved him. I watched him grow. I saw the faraway look in his eyes. I knew that he knew more than I did, but was afraid to ask what it was. I witnessed his ministry from afar. I didn't understand. And I prayed. I prayed a lot. I witnessed them ridicule him. And I heard the rumors of their desire to rid themselves of the troublemaker. And I saw him crucified. It did not go at all as I had expected. In fact, I thought it had all gone miserably wrong until Sunday morning. If the day that the angel came was the day that it all started, the day of his resurrection was the day it all finally came together. If you're a mother, you have memories. Some of them are wonderful and some of them are painful. Teach your children about Yeshua. Teach them about how following God is not about understanding or reasoning. It's about trusting and having faith. It's about accepting a love and a grace and a forgiveness beyond explanation. It's about choosing life at all cost. It's about dying to self. Oh, I've got to go now. There's so much for me to prepare for. I have family coming to visit today. Thanks for listening to the ramblings of a mother. And remember to ponder and pray. Shalom.
This brother of mine was alone on a cross, and all of his preaching and teaching seemed lost, lost to the world. Yet he died for all men, even for me. One of the most important questions anyone can consider is whether or not God exists. A 17th century philosopher once said that the best bet is to assume there is a God and to live according to His ways. Then, when you die, if you were wrong, it's no big deal. But if you decide to wager that God doesn't exist and are found to be wrong, then you will be sorely disappointed after your death with no chance to improve the course of your eternal destiny. Now, there is plenty of actual evidence to logically and reasonably conclude that God does indeed exist. Upon reaching this conclusion, you will discover that God is holy, and you will be faced with another important question, whether or not mankind is basically good or evil. There is certainly no one who has lived a perfect life. As we have all observed, every one of us has an ability, a tendency, a predisposition to do things that are wrong, dishonest, immoral, and hurtful to others. Sin separates us from God, makes us His enemies, and brings His wrath upon us. If we don't find a way to deal with our sin, then we are doomed to die and end up spending all eternity in hell, a place of complete torment. The solution is to be holy and right as far as God sees us. 
but we aren't good and can't be holy. So is it impossible to be saved? With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The only way to be saved is by faith in Jesus, God's only begotten Son, who was able to live a sinless life. God, in His kindness, saves you by His grace through faith in His Son. Jesus died on a cross roughly 2,000 years ago. This is a well-documented and confirmed historical fact. Believing that Jesus is God's Son and that He died on a cross to save you from your sin, the blood of Jesus covers you so that God sees righteousness. We don't become righteous, but He declares us to be righteous because He sees the sacrifice of His Son. So even though you can't do anything to earn salvation, God credits you as being righteous by your faith. This is a one-time event that God would love to do for you. His desire is that everyone would be saved. Then you can enjoy the peace and hope that comes from being a part of His family. Once saved, God begins a work in your life to sanctify you. This is the process of becoming holy. This journey will not be completed until you are welcomed into heaven and all things are made new. One way this sanctification process happens is by reading God's Word, the Bible. It is full of truth that transforms your life for the better and sets you free by the renewing of your mind. Your new life won't suddenly get easy. As a matter of fact, you will probably encounter new trials to endure. Yet your character will grow, and you can experience a peace that passes understanding. You will also receive a gift, a gift that God promises to give all believers. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit, who will guide you into all righteousness and prompt you to do what is right, honest, moral, and helpful to others. These acts of service will not be motivated by guilt, and they certainly won't save you or keep you saved. They will be your new response to bring honor and glory to the one who saved you namely, Jesus Christ. Your desire will be that the people who are blessed by your loving words and kind actions will praise and thank God rather than give you any recognition. As you can see, so much of your new life will be transformed and changed 180 degrees from how you lived prior to letting God save you by His grace through faith in His Son, Jesus. It is His hope and desire that you accept His kind invitation to be saved. In all seriousness, don't wait another day. No one knows the day or the hour that they will die, but everyone will eventually meet their Maker. You don't want to miss the opportunity to enjoy eternity with God rather than apart from Him. It is possible to be too late. You've been listening to Let's Talk Homeschool. We want to thank our sponsor, Apologia Educational Ministries. Merry Christmas, everybody. And until next time, we are walking by faith and enjoying the homeschooling adventure of a lifetime.